Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome to the Behind the Racket Pod. The podcast taking you behind the racket with today's top tennis players and biggest issues facing the sport. Behind the Racket is a community to give fans and players in the world of tennis the opportunity to open up like they have never done before. Visit BehindTheRacket.com for the latest stories, merch, as well as direct links to all of the latest podcasts. It can also be found on iTunes, Google Play, Pandora, Stitcher, and wherever you find your podcasts. Download the episodes and make sure to leave a review. And we want you to be a part of the conversation. Find me at NoahRubin33 or Mike at MikeCTennis on all forms of social media. You can also learn more at BehindTheRacket.com or MikeCTennis.com. Special thanks to my sponsor, New Balance. Visit their latest shoes and styles at NewBalance.com and learn more about their program of giving back at hashtag NBGivesBack. You can also help support the podcast by visiting Patreon.com slash BehindTheRacketPod and receive rewards from our travels around the world. And now... Most people know that I was associated with the University of Illinois and its tennis programs for nearly 20 years. One of the few regrets that I have during that time um, was the fact that this week's guest, Evan King, was unconvinced to come to the University of Illinois uh, from the city of Chicago. It's one of the things that still breaks my heart to this day, and it's been what, seven years since you left the University of Michigan, Evan? Seven years? Something like yeah, that? Eight? seven years, yeah. Okay. Graduating um, 11. Yeah, so Did you ever think it was because enough, of you? <laughs> Did you ever just ponder late at night and say, it's my fault? No, because I said I said lots of positive things, but I think the problem was when I, I had a chat with, with Evan's mom, uh, and she probably wouldn't remember this, and I don't know that it actually had any influence whatsoever, but I said... <laughs> If there's if there's one coach that I would trust with with Evan's development in in making him a professional, it was Bruce Burke at the University of Michigan, and and I know that obviously turned out very well for you. So Evan, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. I'm glad to be talking to you guys. Uh, why, so, so what the fuck is basically what I'm going to start <laughs> with, like that because it hurt me personally. No, that's real. And Illinois is my first visit. Obviously, as a Chicago kid, like this probably the first school I was really exposed to, one of the first schools that showed serious interest. It was the closest thing because Northwestern wasn't recruiting me, probably like an academic issue. But um, no, it was real. And then once Navolo went to Illinois as well, like that was one of my real good buddies growing up as well. Like that made it more real and more of a possibility. And Brad was always great to me. I heard unbelievable things about him. Um, I had... I had beef in high school tennis with Connor Roth. Mm, yes. <laughs> and um, as a little like 16, 17 year old shit, I was like, eh, do I want to be on the team with Connor Roth? Because <laughs> 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 we went at it, man. My sophomore year in high school, it was, it was pretty intense. 
but uh, that's not the reason I didn't go. But no, it was it was very very close, and I very I could have seen myself wearing the orange. Yeah, no, I, I it's I I I kid with you, and I, you and I have joked about this, and we've we've made bets about Illinois Michigan matchups. But I I've I've always wished you would have come to Champaign because obviously I think you would have been an incredible leader for the, for the program. Um, and, and you did incredibly well in Ann Arbor. And I know you still have some incredible memories and connections up there, even though the coaching staff is now gone. Totally. And I mean, you guys beat us more than we beat you. Yes, so that's at accurate. the end, you guys win. <laughs> I think we got, we got you guys a couple times, but for sure, more often than not, you got us. But no, Michigan has a very, very special place in my heart. Like I played a lot of matches, won a lot of matches. Yeah, I played under Bruce and a couple assistants, Sean Mamie and Mark Merklin, and the coaching staff's completely different now. And I have a place like that's home to me there. Yeah, like Steiny let me come back and be volunteer assistant for a season and a half. Like I was, I'm very welcome in that program in Ann Arbor. So I can't say enough about the place. It was unbelievable. Playing the Challenger earlier this year it was actually an incredible facility, which I didn't know about. Not many people give it credit it's due the indoor facility is really nice and mm -hmm. actually enjoyed my time there besides seeing pictures of sean bernstein which were really uh, disappointing <laughs> but, that's my guy <laughs> um but we asked everybody this were their thoughts of going pro you know besides picking the school were their thoughts of going pro what you know push you to go to school in the first place for me no no um i had a good junior career um, I got up to, I think, 14 ITF uh, the year I was 17, played French Junior US Open, all that kind of stuff, Wimby. Um, didn't do as well as you, obviously. Didn't take any titles. But no, had, had a good career, was one of the top Americans going to school. But it was never like an option to me. Like my parents had it like knocked in my head like, yo, you're going to school. Like you're going to get your degree and you're only out of getting this degree is winning NCAAs and winning two rounds of the Open. So mm. it's like like going into it, I know I was going to school, and once I was there, like I think the year before I got there, Devin Britton won NCAAs. And I know Devin, and Devin's good, but it made college tennis seem like, oh, like I can walk in there and like run it and crush it. <laughs> and I didn't even get All-American my freshman year, so I'm just like, whoa, like this is crazy. So no, like... And some of the people I thought to be my peers at the time, like I compared myself a lot to Jordan Cox and Dennis Kudla because they were the same age. They went pro same time. I think they had a little bit better results than me, but I was in that conversation at the time in juniors. And I would, I would follow their path and see what they were doing. But for me, like, and all the coaches know it, I went to USTA my last two years in high school. They all knew I was going to go to school. Like it was, it was never really an option for me. Uh, I'd love to talk to you about your parents. I mentioned your mom. I, I had, I believe it, it was a national indoors right before you were going to Michigan, right before you were making your decision. Yeah. I, I had a very long conversation with your mom, but mm -hmm. I think, and, and I love your mom. I love both of your parents. It's your dad mm -hmm. though, who is frankly a legend. Uh, no, what, <laughs> I mean, the man is is an effing legend because of it. I mean, you see that bright yellow. I'm sorry, maze, maze, maze excuse you. me, maze hat uh, everywhere he goes. <laughs> I, okay, yeah, we know you're wearing a Michigan shirt, but it it is. Uh, your parents are very understated, quiet 
but incredibly supportive to levels that are truly off the charts. And I'd love for you to talk about what they've meant to you in your career, both from a junior perspective and where you're at now. Yeah. So, I mean, my dad's the one that got me introduced to the sport in the first place. Um, he basically, I was born in a time where he was more or less like obsessed with the sport. Like he didn't play at any level. Like he didn't play college. He didn't play pro. Like he just like picked it up recreationally. I was born and just like kind of thrown on a tennis court. And uh, I think it helped at the time. Like when I was like a kid kid, this is when Donald Young lived in Chicago. Oh, yeah. Like he would see Donald Sr. and Donald out there like kind of doing their thing and see their progression. So I think he – and this is something he never told me, but this is me thinking about it years later. I feel like he kind of just like watched them do their thing and then just – yeah, I was I was just a kid out there kind of like looking at them. He's looking at them. I was kind of doing our thing. But um, no, he's unbelievably positive. He still teaches tennis to this day. Like, And he that wasn't his job um, like when I was growing up. But it just turned into his passion. Like uh, a club, Glenbrook, uh, noticed how he was like dealing with me in one of the junior tournaments. Mm. I was like, hey, if you actually want a job and do something, like, let me know. And then he ended up taking that, and he's been at Glenbrook forever up until, like, right before this time, basically. And, um, yeah, just growing up, he was just ultra, ultra positive, always in my corner, always in my friend's corner as well. <laughs> and um, something that I think is pretty funny up to this day is I think I was in, like, the finals of Edwardsville Future, and Halabian, who I spent a year with at USTA, was in the finals of Kalamazoo the same weekend. And I have family in Battle Creek, which is next door to, next door to Kalamazoo. So he went to watch the finals of Kalamazoo and support Al instead of my futures, which I don't blame him. <laughs> like, Kalamazoo is a bigger deal. and just But that just kind of shows like his passion towards the sport, passion towards like my competitors and ultimately my friends. And he's like, yeah, he's just – you'll see him at the U.S. Open – He'll find a way in like the front row wearing the bright maze Michigan hat and just just supporting everything. So no, and and still to this day, I think he did a really good job of teaching me and then knowing when I was hard headed enough to to send me to other places, take me out to Libertyville and see Mark Bay. Mm. Be like, okay, like I'll go to like USTA and it's cool. And then it's funny, like we've had this conversation now. He's like, you know how much money I had to spend for other people to tell you the same things I was telling you. Yeah. But that's because like, yeah, you don't want your parent telling you like <laughs> how to do like your thing. So I think he did a really good job at that. And a lot of tennis parents and tennis families don't really do that. Like kind of know when, yeah, just your kid gets hard headed or just needs a new voice or something like that. And obviously like it's tough. Like you have a, a coach player relationship and a father son relationship, which can be tough at some point. But no, it's been unbelievable. And still to this day, he's very involved in my career and everything I do. So it's unreal. And I love my mom too. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I walk in, it, it's cold. I'm not in a great mindset. I'm coming back from injury. But your father comes up to me and I'm just like already a change of heart. Big <laughs> smile on my face. Um, but yeah, I mean, kind of going into your next topic. And I think you talking about how much your parents have been a part of you. You're a super positive guy. I mean, for the most part, of what you do, you're, <laughs> you know, you seem like you have a smile on your face 90% of the time, at least. And mm -hmm. we had a heart to heart this year in Ann Arbor at that mm -hmm. tournament. 
And I want to go into that a little bit. I want to go into what we spoke about and what I think you're a little bit crazy about yeah, nuts. at times. Nuts, yeah. absolutely out of your fucking mind. But at I the same can point, I, 100%. can I interrupt just real quick? There's a tornado coming towards my house, so I have to walk to the basement. So just Oops. let's just let's just continue. But just know that I'm I'm going to sit out just for a second. So go on. So heart to heart. Go on. <laughs> Watch the tornado. It's getting real, man. <laughs> okay. 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 So yes, you're absolutely fucking nuts, as we can see. Um, but Very. How throughout your whole career, how have you kept this mentality while traveling from Mexico to Afghanistan to back to Italy to <laughs> South America? And then you're like, well, you know, Tashkent is nice this time of year. Let's fucking put Tashkent. Yeah, Tashkent's fire. <laughs> so, <laughs> love me some Tashkent. Please, because I'm the one that complains about the travel. People, you're so different on this scale. Yeah. Please tell us what this frame of mind is. Um, all right, so I'm going to back up a little bit. Yes. Um, coming out of school, like I graduated in 2013 and I, I did not see eye to eye with Bruce on this. So like Bruce, like coach Illinois has a ton of pro players that came out of that system when he was under, uh, Craig Tiley or whatever. And he's like, yo, as soon as you graduate, like you got to travel, like I'm ranked maybe like a thousand going out of school. If you stay in the States, play all the futures is tough. Just take a trip like you're better than a lot of these guys. Just go. And then I was on the mindset where if I'm not good enough to make it in the States, like why would I travel? Why would I leave the States? Mm -hmm. Like that was like my mentality fresh out of school. And I'd say for the first year and a half. Um, so I was playing, yeah, just your typical U.S. future schedule, qualities of challenger schedule, maybe get a wild card into a challenger here or there not doing well, maybe got to like force something. And then I was like, screw this. I hate this. I'm broke. Anytime I do have a good week, my money goes right back into my tennis. I can't like chill. I'm not living anywhere. Like I'm like seeing all these people that I graduate with, like enjoying semi-regular lives and enjoying everything. So like I play for a year and a half. I... I don't, I might've left like once. I think I took one trip to Asia. Other than that, everything would have been in Canada, States and Mexico. I think I went with Jay Jung, surprisingly, <laughs> to a, to a trip to China. It was me, Jung and Meister. Wow. And Jay got hurt and Jay left. So now it's me and Meister just in China. So that was not a, and it's futures too. This was mm -hmm. two futures, two challengers. And this was not a good introduction to international travel and playing so then it already has a sour taste and i'm looking at it like okay i need to have this result this result this result otherwise i'm losing money on this trip so i have that going on in my head all this kind of stuff so basically leaving school i hated it um the travel aspect of it and then i decided to stop playing um i went back to michigan to be a volunteer assistant with full intentions of of being a college coach, mm -hmm. which I do ultimately want to do at some point, but I was like in path to do that. Like I wanted to get an assistant job that summer, kind of got the itch to play again, but then made the decision that I would just go about it differently and, and have a positive outlook that my jobs to hit tennis balls and what me and Noah were talking about in Ann Arbor a little bit, like, and 
it's a chance to like kind of see the world and see a whole bunch of places that I have no business ever going to or ever seeing and have like a legit excuse to do so while getting paid for it. Like obviously like we're not getting paid a lot of challengers or anything like maybe enough to break even. But if I ever want to take a trip to Uzbekistan to take a week off of work, so I'm not getting paid, I'd have to take that that like expensive trip over there kind of hotel like i'm losing a crap ton of money so i might as well see the world while i'm actually like making some money or trying to make it back or making it a little bit more affordable so yeah i mean there's there are tennis reasons i would like to think for some of those trips (laughs) but a lot of it is like yeah like i have an opportunity to see the world tennis reasons like yeah like i hate I don't want to see you every single week. Like, let's say, <laughs> let's say it. for, no, it it's, it's, it's not like a personal thing, like tennis wise. So let's say miraculously, somehow I beat you the first week. We play the next week, you know exactly what I'm about to do. And then we play each other like three more times in the year. Like, it's just, no, like, I don't want to do that. I don't think that's good for my tennis. That's not fun. I'd rather go play like Chang Peng She in Taiwan or play like someone like super, super random in some other place that I have to figure out that isn't like one person removed away from me from doing so. So basically like I've, I've found like the positives in it. I could be crazy and I've definitely tricked myself and I've, I've pushed it farther than I should have like physically, mentally, like, yeah, I mean, Mike's been around, see me go positivity, go absolutely <laughs> ape shit. Not yep. But yeah, like I literally landed from a trip in Australia and then oh, I, I decided to one, play yeah. and I decided to play the next week, which I can't complain about because True that was, again. yeah. Positive, and positive, that, positive, 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 <laughs> positive, positive, positive. <laughs> but like, I decided, like, I made that decision. Like, no one forced me to do that. Like, I decided to play Vegas and then go play two weeks in Australia and then come back to the States and play two more weeks. So, but, but I'm sorry. An, an honest talk for a second. You were talking about how you were in the States before and, you know, all your money was going back to the tennis. Mm-hmm. It can't be cheap. Mm-hmm. It can't be cheap. You go, you go to Tashkent, I don't care how you get there, it can't be cheap. You go to Asia, so how are you managing this physically and and financially? Are you okay? Is it taking a toll on you that way? I mean, at that point, like we're talking like the past two years, like I've had enough success that I've done more than making even like I qualified for the open one year and that 50 grand, like obviously is massive. So that's two years. So like I do that one year, that's another full year of playing slams after Mm -hmm. that. And I'm playing singles and doubles. And I think I played U.S. Open twice in doubles as well. Like tennis-wise, like I'm doing fine. I played world team tennis a couple seasons, which I could use that this year. <laughs> Tell me about it. Tell Oof. me about it. I've been waiting for that. <laughs> that would bring some some peace to, to this time <laughs> off if, if world team tennis were to happen. But yeah, like start like starting off, that would have been a massive issue, and that would not have been realistic. But, um, I also, yeah, like some of these tournaments, like when I came back, I had, um, like I was teaching while I was at Michigan. So I stacked up enough money to be comfortable coming out. And then like, I think my first three tournaments out were like Mozambique, Zimbabwe three times or something like that. And I came back on top cause maybe 
this was actually screwed up in hindsight. I played Lloyd Harris three weeks in a row, like a, <laughs> like a kitty, kitty Lloyd Harris, but yeah. still like damn good. He beat me in Mozambique. Then I beat him in Zimbabwe. Then he beat me in Mozambique. But out of the three weeks, I think I won one final one or maybe final two and won one. So like I was making money on these random, random trips that I was taking in the futures. But um, now like I'm comfortable enough where I can do that just because of the last like two years that I've had. So that's a, a great transition here into why we really wanted to talk to you this week. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to take you back. Let's see. It's been uh, we're recording this on a Tuesday night. I'm going to take mm-hmm. you back nine days ago. Um, I'm, I'm actually streaming my poker as I am want okay. to do on Twitch. And I receive a text message from a one Jamie Loeb, who I believe okay. you, you know. A I do. Bit. Uh, and Jamie says, Mike, are you watching ESPN3? I say, of course, why the fuck would I be watching ESPN3 <laughs> right now? There are no such thing as sports. Yes. And she texts back, Evan is about to play James Saratani, and <laughs> you might want to watch. And I'm like, Battle. Wait a minute, what? And all of a sudden, I'm introduced to this world of some sort of weird exhibition tennis that's happening yeah, down in Orlando. To, you know, again, I had we can't talk about it. We can't yeah, talk exactly. About it. No, I had it's no one. <laughs> no clue that this any of this was happening. But all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. You are there. Hunter is there. James Saratani, Paolo Lorenzi, who will play any tennis match anywhere in the world. Uh, much... Paolo's unbelievable. Right. So, so like you don't understand. <laughs> you don't understand the form that Paolo is in right now. Like I really don't think you know. <laughs> but so, so tell me how this happened because all of a sudden there is live tennis happening in Orlando in the midst of a pandemic where people are supposed to be staying in seclusion how did you get involved explain the details of what's happening down there in orlando for these exhibitions uh so it's in bradenton okay and um it is at a eh, okay well so once upon a time uh i was just (laughs) we only have like 10 more minutes (laughs) so i was uh no i just i got a call it was like hey like are you in florida or something like that from um like a media guy who's like setting this all up. He's got his own production team. He's like trying to be like, Hey, like I'm uh, attempting to like create this tour because um, I think professional sports is an essential activity in the state of Florida. Like they're making a big deal over like WWE being That's allowed right. and pro sports is, is allowed. So like coaches, players, like they can make money, like all this kind of stuff. So it's like, Hey, like, are you around? Do you know anybody that's interested in playing? We're trying to create this like kind of mini tournament where maybe like four guys a day play, no ball kids. They're streaming it. They just have a ref on the side. We're calling our own lines. They give us two different cans of balls that each have our initials on them. So we only serve and touch the balls with our initials. Hmm. Um, so it was like creating this. So like at first, like, yeah, like obviously like anybody, just like a little bit skeptical, like, okay, is it safe? Should I really be leaving? I've been cooped up. But then on the other hand, like I battle this whole, I don't think we're going to play pro tennis in 2020. And I think especially at the challenger level, because all those tournaments are funded by the city and smaller companies, and they're going to have their own issues that they need to figure out before. And ATP will probably fund the big tour as they should and forget about us little peasants. (laughs) But um, 
So I'm thinking like, okay, can I really just sit? And if world team tennis doesn't happen, can I just sit and wait for an entire year to try to get back to normal? And for me, the answer was no, I need some sort of income. I need some sort of practice. Like I've been running and I've been eating well, actually I'm trying this whole like vegetarian deal. So I haven't had meat in the past month just to just Hunter try Reese to got like, to you. <laughs> not even Hunter. Okay. It was Sarmiento. Oh wow. It was Sarmiento. Okay. Sarmiento. Wow. Like I've, uh, I've asked Hunter for a lot of tips, but he didn't, his philosophy didn't like speak to me. Like I was, it was whatever. Um, but, but yeah, I'm, I'm like, I, I need to make money. I don't know if I'm going to get a check this year mm-hmm. and that's not realistic for me because then as you guys have eloquently said, I like to travel randomly. So how am I going to go from Bangkok to Bernie Tasmania next year? If I'm literally eating money this entire year. Yeah. So, I mean, for me, I was already in Florida. It's like an hour and a half like drive, like it's, it's not a huge deal, but, um, a couple of leagues are like starting to pop up like this. And I saw the opportunity and I feel like I have to do it. It's a crap load of tennis. It's really good tennis today. For instance, was Mike Redlicky, Dom Kofer, um, this dude, Adrian Andreev, who's like damn good. And, um, Nico Meta, some Colombian guy who's also good. Like it's, it's a good level and it's tough. But it keeps us sharp, and Paolo, when Paolo comes in, like, he won every single day. Yeah, He made me cramp. Yo, we're playing sets to four, no ad? No, I'm not even bullshitting you. The day I played Saratani, I played Saratani first, and then I played Paolo. It's 2-2 in the third set, sets up to four, no ad. I'm legitimately cramping. Like, it's it was embarrassing. So this man's, yeah. this man's 38. I played him twice cramp. this year. Yeah, I know. I, bro, he doesn't feel. He doesn't bro, feel. He does no. not feel. It's insane. It was my longest two set match in my life. I believe two you. Hours and fifty three minutes, two sets. I'm sorry. <laughs> did you? Uh, if if you did you win? Yeah, five and no, four. But there's no chance you won the next round. There's no chance you won the next round. Uh, six and the third against Instamin, Actually, I won. You won. Yeah, I was. Down, you're, I, was, you're an American a, hero. That's no, no, insane. But, yeah, but you survived Paolo and you won? <laughs> no, you don't understand. I was on a mission. I lost to him one and one the week before in New York Hardcore where I okay. was just hitting as hard as I could to get past him. <laughs> and he was like, no. <laughs> and his hat was sinking deeper into his head. <laughs> the grunt got louder. The hat got deeper. <laughs> but to kind of take us back, you know, we were yeah. talking about this in our past podcast, Mike and I. Mike and, and I are both in a situation we were talking when does it come, and you've gone to this point, where we say we kind of, you know, do the risk for reward and say maybe this is the time to get a paycheck. I know Mike is struggling, you know, now in a few months especially. Mm-hmm. He doesn't know how it's going to play out as any of us. You know, Mike, when are you? Would that time come in a month from now if you got the opportunity to stream something like this? Would you take that chance? Yeah, I mean, I'd be there in a heartbeat. Frankly, right now, I'd have to start thinking about it here, and it's the last week of April. And if, you know, I'd I'd have to think about coming down and commentating on on this, and I'd I'd love the opportunity. I mean, to be perfectly blunt. So I, I, and it's hard for me to say that because I have a, the five and a half year old daughter, and I've been taking care of her during those days, you know, and that's like, that's been everything for me to actually have a little bit of extra time with her. But at the same time, I mean, I got bills to pay and Evan, I'm, yeah. I'm sure that that's you the same for you. Do you feel, I guess the, the question is, do you feel safe 
while also making sure you're taken care of in terms of the financial component that's being offered to you? Yeah, for sure. Because literally at the site, there's us four competitors. There are two tech guys. Um, Andrea was with his mom today. Mm. And there's the people's house that we were at, which is like a total of like nine people there. So like we're seeing the same people every day. There aren't that many variables in general. Yeah. Um, and that was, that was something like I really had to think about, like, well, I didn't have to fly as well. Like you'd be coming from a lot farther, but for me, like I've felt completely comfortable with the people, like at the end of the match, we're not shaking hands. We're touching rackets. Yeah. Like we're, we're not close to anybody. They're wiping down the benches after every single match. So like, I'm not sitting on the sweaty bench after Paolo, even though Paolo <laughs> doesn't sweat. Um, like it's. It's no, it's, it's very, I've, I was extremely nervous and skeptical coming into it just cause it's so uncertain and I was in my routine, but I've been here for yeah, a week and a half now and it's normal. It's just physically taxing. I think the plane ride, I'm sorry. I think the plane ride mm-hmm. is what did it. I was asked to do it early on. I think that was the really the, the one that I was like, is that what I'm going to risk right now? But around the totally. area, I think there's ways to combat it. Um, yeah. Evan, um, I, I think there will be people who are hearing this who are, and, and frankly, Noah and I, I know in all the talks we've had, we're on the same page of this idea that we're big believers in the public health aspect of, of staying home, um, staying mm-hmm. healthy in that regard. There are going to be, be, be people who hear this and say they don't like it because of the fact mm-hmm. that, you know, you're, you're gaining a paycheck and, and really putting potentially others at risk by co-mingling. What do you, what do you say to those people? That's completely fair. Like they're definitely entitled to, to those thoughts, those beliefs. But I think that every pe- uh, precaution that can be made in an event like this can be made. There's no physical contact between anybody. It's a really, really sensitive time in the world, in our country. And as someone that like, I literally do not have a foreseeable paycheck. Mm-hmm. Like for me, like I have to, I have to do it. And I think a lot of players in my position and the people that are playing here that don't have to travel, that aren't getting on a plane that are just driving and just being with the same people every day. They just see it as another day that you're just going to practice. Like guys in Bradenton are practicing. They are doing it's not normal, but guys are practicing. It's just seen as something different and a way to stay eating food, I guess. <laughs> I want to, um, as we're just at about the, the half hour mark, and we do try to keep these at about half an hour. Um, you are from Chicago. I am mm-hmm. from the suburbs. Um, the last dance over the last couple of unreal uh, last couple of weeks. Uh, I listen. I'm a little bit older than you. Please, can you guys? I, I just haven't started yet. Is there you, a need? If to... you if you want to leave, you're fine. I mean, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah. Okay. Just good. take off. Okay. So Noah has taken off his headphone for a couple <laughs> minutes here. Um, I, I so at, at that time, 91 to 98 was when I was in high school into college. That was my time frame. So it's just like that. That coming of age moment. I know I'm old. It's fine. But it's that coming of age moment where basketball was fucking life, man, to have Jordan there. 
what are your memories of that time uh, in in Chicago? What are your, what are your memories of Michael Jordan, the Bulls, and and how are you taking in the Last Dance right now? Well, I would say to start off, I think Chicago is a basketball city. Yeah, like more so than a football city. The maybe the suburbs more hockey, but in the city, like it's it's more of a basketball place, and that's Jordan's impact. Like yeah, the '98 season i was six years old mm. i don't have many memories of it but i i just i know the bulls i know michael jordan growing up as a chicago bias human i've done my research and done my homework on him <laughs> and um and appreciate just the living shit out of him yeah as as not just a basketball player but as a brand as a person as a businessman just he's he's an icon in general and then this series is unbelievable how it shows uh, just how he is that. But it's it's weird growing up in Chicago. Also, like my favorite athlete period is Derrick Rose. Mm. So that's a Chicago kid that ended up playing for the Bulls. So that in my eyes, like he is that dude. Yeah. But no, this this Jordan doc is is absurd. And anyone who can tell me otherwise that LeBron's better can kick rocks. I'm I'm gonna stop this now because to be honest I don't really give a shit. Um, oh wow! So recently, Whoa, Knicks fan. Oh, couldn't care less about basketball. But recently, <laughs> um, somebody asked me what is your most painful experience, and I was starting to think, and they're like, no, physical, in my tennis career. And the last thing that came to my mind was you playing you in Chicago, and we somehow Oof. it was could have been give or take a few degrees a thousand degrees yeah and i got off the court and full body cramps yeah why didn't you do that on the court (laughs) i did cramp during the match but i just remember being absolutely miserable in downtown chicago well what's mike we good I, I might be there might be a tornado like outside my house right now, but go on. <laughs> Everything's casual. Fine. It, it's Mike, Oklahoma. It's Mike, fine. I'm trying to share a story right now. I, Can you stop all the I'm freaking out. Okay. It's fine. <laughs> go on. <laughs> but um full body cramp on the side, literally getting fed food by people dropping <laughs> it while I'm lying down. People pulling gator lights in my mouth while I can like barely move the side cheek. And that, that was the last one that came to mind. So yeah, I'm glad to be a part of that tennis right now. And I'm still missing tennis and, and I miss you, Evan. Wait, I do miss you. Wait a minute. I if, if I remember correctly and uh, Evan, I don't mean to bring up a bad memory for you, but I believe yeah. you're the only player I know who has uh, lost to somebody who I watched vomit on the court. Who vomited on the court? Uh, Sanam Singh. Sanam Sh- Singh. Champagne. <laughs> Oh, I couldn't beat Sanam. You know how good his backhand is? I didn't know he puked. I'm not, I'm, yeah, but it's I, a horrible matchup. It, let me just say, I because it was <laughs> even on, with puking. It was on no, court no, no, number. Impossible. It was on court number two. I was commentating on some match on court number one, but all I was doing was watching your <laughs> match on court number two because you could just hear Sanam sing, and then like he, he's just too good. He's too good. Yeah. No, I definitely blocked that part out of my memory. I know I've lost to Sanam a couple times. Yeah. And I I don't know if I've won a match indoors at Illinois ever. Mm. <laughs> so that's that's a very bad place for me. And that's probably why I ended up going to Michigan. <laughs> but <laughs> thank you guys for both bringing up two losses <laughs> against two like hampered, injured opponents as highlights of my tennis career. <laughs> to be honest, I lost more that day than you did. <laughs> 
I lost the puck myself that day. So you walked off. I actually remember. I felt like I was in a war movie. You're in the distance smiling, talking to friends, and I'm like feeling a part of me. Like actually, <laughs> you were so rattled. <laughs> but you know what? I remember let's, that. Let's let Mike go to physically fight this tornado. Yeah, stay safe, dude. Um, but Evan, thank you so much for being a part of this. We really enjoyed having you on. No, hopefully it was decent. No, I appreciate you guys having me, man. No, hopefully Keep we'll doing see you your guys soon. Thing. And everybody Easily, is dude. Everybody is safe. You're you're living right now with Michael Redlicky. Everybody's good. Your family's all good. Everybody that I know has been safe, cooped up, following social distancing guidelines and and alive. So I can't ask for anything more. All right, Evan. Thank you so much, uh, and hopefully we get to see you soon. No doubt. Thanks, guys. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels, whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out. The Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com. The show might be over, but the conversation isn't. Join us on social media at NoahRubin33, at MikeCTennis, and at Behind the Racket. Expect new episodes every Monday or Tuesday. And don't forget to leave us a rating on iTunes. It really helps us expand and reach more listeners as we take you Behind the Racket.